Hi, this is Jesslyn Etchell, and I'm chatting with some of my favorite women in a series called Wildish Wise Women, Conversations with Everyday Goddesses. It's my passion to connect women and remind us that supporting one another is our greatest strength. These discussions are an extension of the in-person women's circles I lead in the Bay Area and will explore a variety of topics. Thanks for joining us. I am so looking forward to talking to Sharna Langley today. She's a Reiki master and intuitive healer, and she's going to talk to us about tapping into your intuition. Sharna works with clients internationally, helping them uncover the source of wounds and blockages so that they can live freer, fuller, and brighter lives. She uses Reiki, meditation, and energy therapy to facilitate a holistic journey towards healing. In addition to being a Reiki master, she's also a certified Say It Straight communication trainer and writes for Mind Body Green on Reiki healing. Sharna is a skilled and passionate teacher and has been leading groups, workshops, and classes for over 15 years. You can learn more about her and her great work at her website, Seek Spark Shine. I'll have a way for you to link it right below this podcast. Welcome, Sharna. Thank you so much, Jessalyn. It's so great to talk to you. Yay, I can't wait. I'm really excited. Me too. Me too. Yeah, so let's just take a moment to connect the you and I and also anyone that's listening with just a few breaths. So we'll take a breath in through the nose and out through the mouth. Just arriving to the space together, a couple more like that. And may each woman who needs the wisdom of this call find her way here. May we speak from the heart and create a wave of peace that radiates out on a global level. And may each woman remember her sacred nature and feel the value of her presence in this world. Sharna, what's your favorite thing about being a woman? Oh my goodness. You know what? I think these amazing bodies that we're given, they're just incredible, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> yes. Amazing to be in the female body. It is so complicated and complex and incredible. I, yeah, I love it. Yay. And super sexy yeah. and yes. curvy yes. and all kinds of fun. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we got the goods. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So you're going to talk to us about tapping into your intuition, which I'm super stoked on because it's, it's so juicy. There's so much depth there. And awesome. where I would love for us to start is if you could just tell me a little bit about uh, your story. I mean, that could be however it shows up for you today and then how you specifically use intuition. Perfect. Yeah. So like a lot of us, I have a pretty windy path, right? So um, mm -hmm. I came into this world, a pretty sensitive little person. Uh, and I have, uh, you know, kind of a large family. I have five brothers and sisters. And so, um, you know, there was a lot of energy always moving around inside of the family dynamic. And so, um, you know, definitely being a sensitive child, um, I could pick up on things, see things, you know, just kind of had a sense that there was more going on to the world than, than just what was meat in the eye. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I hit teenage, you know, my teenage years, uh, had some experiences of being able to, you know, talk to loved ones who had passed away, uh, do some channeling. Um, I did a lot of uh, free writing, and automatic writing, kind of connecting in with my intuitive gifts. Uh, and then I hit, you know, my 20s, my late 20s, and kind of 
you know, shucked it off and went that career path, you know, so I thought that I had to take on um, a very successful career in order to be happy. And uh, as many of us know, the story goes, <laughs> that didn't lead towards happiness. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I had a lot of different um, ups and downs, struggled uh, for many years, actually, with anxiety and with depression, had um, a pretty severe uh, what I call a breakaway, not a breakdown, but a depressive episode um, in my late 20s that kind of fueled a lot of personal work that I've been doing kind of in a more playful way when I was younger, you know, yoga and raw foods and, you know, working with my intuitive gifts when I was in my early 20s was really fun. And then in my late 20s and early 30s, it was like, oh, now this is serious. Like I have to actually take care of myself, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so my, my journey towards uh, Reiki and, and doing the work that I do was really deeply personal. It was trying to survive in a world um, that I think a lot of times is a little bit hard for those of us that are really sensitive. And um, we talk a lot more about empaths mm -hmm. and are, you know, really sensitive people. But even just, you know, five, 10 years ago, I feel like it wasn't necessarily as center stage as it is now. So, uh, so when I did eventually find my way towards Reiki, it was more to just work on my own self-healing. And then once uh, I started moving and working with energy, all of these intuitive gifts that I had had on some level my entire life just came center stage. Uh, and there was this beautiful marrying of being able to work in and perceive the energy field and then also pick up on intuitive information that was sitting in um, people's energy bodies. And so that's really kind of how I arrived to the work that I do in a very crisscrossy way. And it was never my intention, actually, when I started studying Reiki, that I would even be practicing it. And then here I am with a practice and uh, it's really quite phenomenal and incredible. So I feel really blessed for that. Wow. That's exciting. Well, that's always really cool when the work that we do on ourselves can then also help heal others. Absolutely. I think it's the it's the path for all of us, right, that call ourselves, in quotes, healers, because I think we're all really helping other people heal themselves, right? So exactly. it's all, yeah, I got to start with the person for sure. Yeah, that's so neat. So then thank you so much for sharing your, that was, a, I love it. That was a Cliff Notes version. I'm sure it went a lot different than, <laughs> oh, than yeah. I can just kind go of spout it out. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I want to be mindful of our time. I could go on for hours. But. I know, yeah. Well, I'm curious if the next um, place we could land is, is what does intuition mean to you? Absolutely. That's, it's such a good question um, because intuition can look a lot of different ways, but what it really is at its core is, a, is, is our ability to pick up and perceive information and messages that fall outside of our rational, conscious, you know, uh, left lobe of the brain experience. And so it is our ability to uh, pick up on information through our, these four different types of intuition that we um, generally understand, which is claircognizance, clairaudience, clairvoyance, and clairsentience. And so that's um, claircognizance is clear knowing, clairsentience is clear feeling, clairaudience is clear hearing, and then clairvoyance is the one most of us think about, which is actually clear seeing. Um, but there are all of these different ways that we have of picking up on information and learning about our world uh, that really engage that um, more creative side of the brain, which is our right side, which is also happens to be the feminine uh, aspect of our beings. And so when we connect in with the creative to the subconscious to um, 
our ability to connect in with feeling-oriented kinds of experiences, then we can tap into all of these abilities to kind of understand people at a level that isn't necessarily rational or physical, some things that fall outside of that realm of being able to touch, you know, and physically see uh, what's going on or what's happening around us. Yeah, that's awesome. I find that when people learn about the different ways, then they go like, oh, yeah, I've done that before, but we have a specific... <laughs> way that we think of intuition and it's almost like the the psychic with the crystal ball kind of thing exactly and it's one of the biggest myths that i that i see when I, when people you know work on their intuition either in a class or in a session is well you know i don't have my dead grandmother knocking on my door you know saying hey here i am and i'm like neither do i like i don't actually <laughs> know anybody that has that experience. And so we have relegated it to this very small group where it's kind of this idea that it's a gift or it's privileged, mm -hmm. right, information mm -hmm. that only certain people can do. Yes. Uh, and it's just like muscles in the body. We all have the ability. Some of us came in maybe more natural, quote unquote, athletes, right? More natural ability with it. But we can all get to the gym and work out those muscles. So we all have the ability to develop those intuitive gifts. Yeah, I think that's so important, and I'm really glad that, that you are saying it here, and obviously I know that you're teaching this as well, that it's, it's available to us all, because I, I agree, I think it's our birthright to be able to tap into the healing aspect and the intuitive piece of it as well. Absolutely. So you um, already kind of mentioned it, and it was one of my questions that I wanted to, to check in with you on. Are there any, have, have you noticed, or, or from your experience, um, are women more able to tap into this um, because of, um, I mean, you said, you know, it's kind of the feminine qualities, but because this podcast is about women and, and tuning into different goddess energies of the world, um, is it, you know, are women just more maybe apt to do this work? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely part of how our brains are structured, right? And so when we go back, like, thousands and thousands and thousands of years to agrarian societies, and we even look at gods and goddesses, the way that the male and female brain has been developing for thousands of years is that that um, you know masculine left lobe of the brain that was in, responsible for hunting um, and all of these rational thinking kinds of activities was highly developed in the male body. Uh, and then the, the uh, right side of the brain, which is that more creative, intuitive realm, was developed primarily by women who then nurtured families, cared for, gave birth, um, and then we're highly connected to earth energy, right? So highly connected to the mysteries of the world. So there is something actually in our the way that our brains develop, uh, where the feminine brain, the female brain, actually that that right lobe is more highly developed, and those are the areas where intuition sits, uh, where the creative unconscious is, where our connection to the mysteries of life are, and our connection to our emotions and our feelings. Uh, such a big part of intuition is the feeling piece. And we live in a very rational, science-based, male-dominated society that tends to want to, you know, put that into the background and say that it's not real or it's not really happening. And so because as women, we're given these amazing bodies and beings that bring life into the world, that experience emotion on these deep levels, our ability to pick up on uh, things that are maybe perhaps not perceived by the rational mind is just naturally greater, both from a nature and a nurture perspective. Um, but by obviously, like there are very um, 
skilled psychics and intuitives who are men. And so there is a capacity on both sides yeah. to develop, right? That part of the brain. But I think that for sure, uh, as women, it is part of how we're built uh, to naturally be more in touch with the things that aren't seen, right? Uh, those those things that uh, sometimes are less palpable, but they're, but they're feelable, if that's a word. <laughs> yeah, I think it is today. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Well, you touched on this in your story. I'm wondering what the women of the world who think they have to be very driven and be successful in a man's competitive business world. I wonder what that's doing for our collective intuitive abilities. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I see so many women. Um, I'm actually teaching a class right now on balancing masculine and feminine energies. And one of the most of the class are women who are trying desperately to recover uh, what you called so beautifully our birthright, right? How, how it is that we have learned to be very masculine in our careers. And the career space is a perfectly masculine space for in a lot of ways. It is rational thinking, acting, doing, planning, organizing, achieving, right? All those masculine masculine energy qualities. But then as women, we take those into the rest of our lives um, and believe that relationship has to look that way, family has to look that way, and even our emotions have to look that way. So how many times do we feel like we have to explain our emotions, right? Um, where I just, as women, we should just be able to be like, this is how I'm feeling, and that's how it is, um, without the, the need to rationally explain it. And that's where that realm of intuition sits. So as we work on developing our intuitive quality, there is a deep piece of developing the emotional experience, all of the different threaded layers that um, make up our emotional bodies, uh, in addition to the creative aspect, right? The dancing, the singing, the drumming, the moving, the being inside of the body. Uh, that's where intuition lives as well, and that's where the feminine energy is. So for sure, I think as women, when we are trying to reconnect to our femininity, um, you know, we have to kind of pull away from that very driven, success-oriented model uh, so that we can really own the fullness of what our beings are about. Well, right, and it just sounds like it adds to the richness of the human experience if we have it all. Mm, absolutely, right? Yeah, if we can balance both, yeah. for sure. So you mentioned a couple myths that we, you know, we see intuition as this one way and that maybe it's only available to certain people. Um, what are some other myths that um, you, you encounter about the idea of using intuition? Yeah, one of the ones that I always find really interesting is this this phrase I hear all the time where people go, it's just my imagination, right? Mm. I mean, I'm just making it up. It's not real. This isn't really yeah. happening. And that was just what we were talking about with this rational, masculine-driven mind, right? Mm. So we are so taught from an early age that we have to prove it, right? We have to be able to say without a shadow of a doubt, here's the math equation that says that that smell of a rose where there's no roses anywhere else, but that happened to be the fragrance of my grandmother, mm -hmm. right? Like I have to somehow prove and capture that in a bottle and take it to a laboratory so that somebody mm -hmm. can actually prove that it's real, right? Yeah. And so a lot of this imagining away um, our intuitive gifts, which actually, you know, as children, we are so gifted with, I'm sure you've had this experience where, you know, little ones are just like these amazing open channels and yes. they're talking to 
imaginary friends, which a lot of times are spirit guides or ancestors that we just like to rationalize it away. Oh, that's not real. That's not really happening. Right. So we learn to live in these very little small boxes and we stop playing. We stop using our imagination, which is actually, again, that right lobe of the brain, that creative side that allows our intuition to flourish. So one of the big ones that I see with people is just that left part of the brain is so hell-bent on having to prove it that they miss all the beauty of this amazing experience, right? And things that are happening in their lives that they don't necessarily look at and say, oh, that's a message or that's an intuitive gift. You mean that when I meet somebody and I know immediately if I like them or I don't like them, that that's my intuition? Yes, it actually is. That is your field and their energetic fields either resonating or dissonating, right? So um, yeah, so that's another big, big myth that I see a lot is this, it's just my imagination thing. Yeah, I've, I've definitely... Um been victim to that before. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and another one that that comes up for me a lot that I had to learn and that I also try to share with others is that I sort of thought, especially when I first started doing Reiki, I thought that it was going to be like the heavens were going to open up and angels yes. were going to sing and I was going to levitate or I don't know, something really crazy. Absolutely. It's subtle. A lot of times it's really subtle. I know yes. that sometimes people have those big moments and I and I've had, you know, a couple here and there, but most of the time it's you really have to be listening and you have to be paying attention to to catch on, you know, to catch these things. Absolutely. That's so huge. And one of the biggest tools for developing your intuition is awareness. You know, I mean, I, it's awareness, 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 awareness. Like I don't, you know, it's just simply being open um, and looking. I mean, I was, I was driving down the, uh, up the mountain here in Santa Fe the other day and I was seeing these deer everywhere. And I was just like, oh my God, this is so amazing. And for me, deer energy and medicine is a lot about grace. It's about elegance. It's about patience, about slowing down. So I'm driving up the mountain, seeing all these deer, and then I'm driving back down the mountain and there's this huge tour bus, you know, coming at me and right across the front of the tour bus are the words grace or is the word grace, like in big capital letters. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, thank you so much. Like, and to me, that was a huge way that my intuition was looking right for the messages and the information. That was exactly what I needed in that moment. Whereas to another person, it could have just been like, yeah, you saw a bunch of gear and you deer and you saw the word grace. And it's like, yes, but those, I don't really truly believe in coincidences, right? That the, that energy all came together in that moment in exactly the way that I needed to see it and hear it and experience it um, is such a subtle way that our intuition and our awareness can allow us to receive the messages that the universe is trying to provide us. Yeah. And how beautiful to, to take it as that, you know, for yeah. that person that just sees it as things in the world that, you know, it doesn't seem quite as, as nice. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And the reality is that I get to take that and then do something in my life about it. Right. When I need more grace, I can remember that and allow myself to actually channel that feeling of grace. Um, whereas if I'm just running around in the world, like a chicken with my head cut off, right. Not seeing or interpreting or picking up on these messages, um, then I lose a lot. Right. And yeah. I get to, grow as much. Absolutely. So awareness is definitely one way. What are some other ways that you practice and and teach on how to connect to your intuition? Ah, so meditation is another huge one, right? Yeah. So 
Um, I usually start with most of my clients and students with quieting the mind. Um, most of us, again, that active uh, left lobe of the brain is so in command and it's really hard to quiet the monkey mind. Yeah. And yet it's impossible to pick up on messages or information when that mind is in overdrive. And the majority of us, this is the place that we struggle the most with our intuition. So I have a lot of clients and students that are like, oh, you mean I have to meditate? Mm -hmm. Darn. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, but yes, your mind <laughs> has to be quiet in order for that information to come in. However, meditation, as I'm sure you know this too, uh, Jessalyn, I know this about you, doesn't always have to be sitting like the Buddha, right, in, in um, cross-legged position and full lotus, you know, for an hour with the mind completely blank. Most of us cannot do that kind of meditation, especially when we're beginners. So a big um, way that I like to teach and practice meditation are moving meditations, right? Mm -hmm. Hiking, walking, jogging, yoga, um, at moving the body, again, deactivating that rational thinking mind, moving into the body, quieting the system down, then allows us to really be able to listen and pick up on messages. The other thing that that allows us to do is really start to discern what is our thinking mind and what truly is our intuitive mind. And I think, you know, having been doing this for many, many years, it's still hard sometimes where I go, is that my human or is that my intuition, right? And so um, meditation allows us to quiet everything down enough that we can start to pick up on those cues that we may not have been aware of before. Uh, so that's a big one. Another one is creativity and art. So again, that activates that right lobe of the brain. So when we do things like dance and sing and drum and paint and write poetry and allow ourselves to be connected to the creative process, a lot of times intuitive information comes to us in those moments. Um, I know I get a lot of my messages from guides and, and things that probably people would think are like brainstorming, right? But they're actual clear cognizance, that just internal knowingness of things that I'm meant to do. I get those a lot when I'm jogging or hiking or when I'm writing. Um, and, and they just sort of come into the mind because it's quieted that overly rational part. And now I'm in that right, right lobe of the brain and I'm able to pick up on and develop those intuitive skills. Um, so those are, you know, meditation awareness and creativity are three key ones. Um, and then there are a lot of practices out there. You know, there's automatic writing um, or soul journaling, some people call it, where you sort of do this gestalt open chair thing with your, you know, your intuition or you got your guides and you write a question and then you just allow yourself to free write and just free associate on it. That's actually the first way that I started um, developing my intuitive gifts when I was in my early teens was, was talking to actually people that had passed away and doing it on the computer, just typing questions and having it come through. And it was pretty incredible information that my mom could confirm that I had no way of knowing. But again, it bypassed all of that rational mind stuff and allowed me to move into this kind of conversation with beings on the other side and also with our higher selves, right? Which mm -hmm. was where a lot of intuition comes from. Uh, and then a lot of people like Oracle decks. I think those are a really fun way of starting to play with intuition um, because they are a little bit more concrete for some of us, you know? So pulling cards in the morning, um, getting messages that way. And it's always incredible how when we pull cards, I'll have clients who'll be like, oh my God, I pulled this card and then I was out in the world and that exact same thing, you know, happened.
And, um, or the way that we have of pulling cards, that's exactly that message that we need to see. Um, that's a form of clairvoyance as well. And then another favorite are pendulums. Those can be really fun for people to play with again, um, because we can see the energy moving, you know, in that yes or no um, way that for people, again, that we, we like confirmation. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to get out of that. So um, those are some of my favorite ones. Well, I was just, the pendulum play was a, a hit at my last Reiki class. One mm-hmm. student said, that was my favorite part of the whole class. Yeah. <laughs> well, then people yeah. think it's like a magic eight ball. I'm like, okay, well, we have to, you know, it has its limits. <laughs> Absolutely. And it really is coming from us, right? At the end end of the day so yeah (laughs) exactly so these are all tools that eventually we once we practice and play with them um, many of us move away from using them on the regular and actually instead um, have learned how to channel that energy so that it's available and at our fingertips when we simply drop in and breathe like you did so beautifully in that just initial kickoff to this podcast it's as simple as three breaths sometimes right Absolutely. I mean, it just even if you're working on sensing energy and feeling if you have a a room full of people or even just two people that take a few breaths together, the actual everything changes. Incredible, right? It happens. Yep, it is amazing. So yeah, that drops us into our heightened sense of awareness. And then we can start to pick up on and perceive things that are outside of the realm of, of what the naked eye can see and experience. Yeah, and I couldn't help but think when you were talking about you know, stillness and quiet, whether it's a, a, a sitting meditation or a moving meditation, that that also, there's an assumption that we are not on technology during that time. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> right, right. And Absolutely. I find that that's a growing problem. Uh, For sure. That we don't have a lot of space away from our, our devices. Uh, so true. And as you know, when we're working with our energetic fields, that can really kind of wreak interesting habit. It's kind of actually funny, though, because you can start to see how electromagnetic energy impacts things like our cell phones and our computers with all of the glitches yeah. that happen a lot of times around Mercury retrograde or just for those of us that work in a lot of energy. But you're so right. I mean, it, it again, that puts us in that masculine energy where the feminine energy wants to unplug and go and dive into nature um, and be at one with all of the inexplicable things that make this world so magical. Yeah, that really, I mean, nature is, is such a gift in that way to, to be able to, and, and, and as you mentioned, that's where we come from, from a feminine yes. perspective, that, that we were uh, of the land and, and moving with the cycles of the earth and the moon and all of that. We are yes. very, very connected. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's incredible how we have really disconnected from that. But I love what people like yourself are doing, you know, helping us to reconnect to those wildish women ways so that we can get out there and very freely connect with all of this incredible feminine energy that is in a lot of ways that that energy of the wild uh, that we have just tried so hard to put into a box. And that's the same way with intuition, right? The second you try to grasp it, you know, the second you try to hold on to the mist, it moves away. And so that's why another are they like that. <laughs> it is, isn't it? And so that's why, like you said, you know, breathing, 
patience, stillness, and then we just observe the mist. We don't try to control it. We don't try to grab it. We don't try to mold it. We simply sit with it and allow it to be. And that's really how our intuition surfaces when we just allow that information to hang there. And rather than trying to grasp it with the rational mind, we just observe it and go, wow, that's so interesting that that's what so-and-so is saying to me right now, right? So yeah. Curiosity is uh, is a good friend. <laughs> it is. That is a great word. Yes, absolutely. So you mentioned that you don't believe in coincidences, and I don't really either. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you have any message for anyone listening that might still feel kind of skeptical about this stuff. Yeah, you know what? I always tell my skeptics, because um, inevitably, I get a ton of skeptics in my life. And sometimes these are actually the people that have the most powerful psychic and intuitive abilities, uh, <laughs> but, have, but have just learned over time to shut them off and shut them down because um, the world has taught them that it's not okay or it's not right. It's amazing to me every time I get a skeptic come into my office and by the end of the session, they're telling me a story that I'm like, that's an insane story. You know, <laughs> the visions of ghosts that they saw, um, homes that they walked into where they knew that there was a presence, um, you know, talking to trees, things that I'm just like, okay. And inevitably it's our most skeptic people. And I think it's because our skeptics a lot of times have been our most sensitive individuals and life has just done what life does and says it's not okay. That, or they've learned to put lots of barriers and boundaries and protection on top of that very sensitive internal structure. So a lot of times our skeptics use their skepticism, right? That rational mind as a barrier and as protection to not be judged, to not be made fun of or ridiculed. And also on some level to protect themselves from that really deep well of emotion, which is where intuition comes from. Um, so the first thing I usually say to skeptics is, do you want to still be a skeptic, right? Because if somebody's hellbent on being a skeptic, then there's not a whole heck of a lot that you can do with them. Um, so there has to be sort of a choice on some part to open up to this. But the thing that I find is usually by the time somebody is listening to a podcast like yours, right, or walking into one of our offices, um, there's a part of them that's already waking up that wants to know that there's more outside of the realm of the world than what their small existence has, or their, their rational, I should say, I shouldn't say small, their rational existence has taught them. Mm -hmm. uh, so then I usually will just work with them on picking a modality. Usually I will... Um, ask them to either play with clear audience, clear cognizance, clear voyance, or clear sentience. Um, pick one. And, and I have a list of different, uh, you know, activities that, that work within those. Uh, and to just play with it and start to be aware. I often will tell my skeptics, too, to just simply put a question out to the universe. You know, just ask for a sign in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and then to play the listening and awareness game, right? So that piece is key. you got to play the game if you're going to ask for the message. Um, but yes. it's incredible, <laughs> Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it is incredible to me how many people have been hardcore skeptics that have come my way and within weeks or months are some of the most amazingly gifted empaths that I've ever known. Uh, and, and they've just had to come to grips with the fact that what they've always known to be true is actually okay, right? Nobody, well, some people might be judging them, but we're certainly not. And there's a whole group of us out there that are all about empowering people to step into those gifts. The final thing I usually say to skeptics is, 
is um, to check out some information on quantum physics. We're starting to actually really understand a lot more about field theory, uh, really understanding the fact that we are this idea of the holographic world. Uh, we're actually starting to think that, that we are actually all holograms, right? We're all events that are happening moment to moment to moment. And we truly are all energy. We're simply energy that's slowed down enough to be matter. And so when we think about the fact that energy is constantly bouncing around um, off of one another, then we can start to make sense of these field interactions that happen um, that feel like that clear sentience. I just have a feeling about something, right? Um, that's actually a field interaction. Uh, so quantum physics is starting to be able to explain and describe this. Um, Barbara Brennan is a great author, uh, ex-NASA physicist turned hands-on healer. Uh, her book, Hands of Light, uh, is really fantastic. The first several chapters dive into a lot of the quantum physics of both energy work, but also of intuition. And then there's another book by Lynn McTaggart called The Field, which is also really good as well for delving into quantum physics from a layperson's perspective. She's a journalist that actually um, takes a lot of quantum physics and puts it into terms that we can understand. So that's usually my final standing ground with skeptics <laughs> is to get them over to the science of it and to start to um, look at and understand how we have a growing body of literature uh, around how this actually happens. Yeah, Hands of Light was actually my very first energy healing book that I had. That's amazing. Yeah, and and I was laughing because that's that's sort of my husband. He's a skeptic, but he's also very sensitive. Mm -hmm. And I did the same thing. It's actually a book by Jill Edwards, who's um, unfortunately not around anymore, but she talks about the science behind it. And I went, oh, oh, okay, let's read this together. Right? <laughs> so we actually yeah. read the book together and it really got him thinking and got him to, you know, be open to the idea of it. As I thought, okay, science, that'll get him. <laughs> Absolutely, right? And it does. And when you start to talk, again, it's getting that rational mind engaged in some way that makes sense. And then when people can open up to the possibility, it's incredible what happens when we open, right? And when we're simply open to it and aware of it and call it in, and let ourselves be like children and just play the game. I, it's incredible the things that we can pick up on and have happen. But a lot of us have just learned over time that that just wasn't okay. Uh, so some of us do need the science and that's okay. I'm that way too. I really love being able to understand the scientific piece of it. And like many of us, I've got a skeptic inside of me too, right? I think it's what makes um, those of us who practice this, um, sometimes, you know, connected to our ethics and a responsibility that we're not just running around uh, believing anything that anybody tells us, right? That engaging that inner skeptic does pro provide a lot of protection uh, and a lot of good information for those of us that are sensitive in a world that unfortunately is increasingly not so sensitive. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> skepticism is healthy. It's, it's probably yeah. a good way to keep our barometer. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, this is all so exciting. I can't wait to re-listen to it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so much do. good information. <laughs> I'm wondering if you have anything else that you want to share, anything that I didn't ask or that is just on your mind. No, gosh, I mean, you did such a fantastic job of covering all of 
the amazing ins and outs of intuition in such a nice condensed period of time. So I think it's fantastic. You have a couple of classes coming up um, online and um, those will all be on my website. So I know you'll be linking to those, but I do have a intuitive development series that I'm um, I'll be launching in the summer called the Sage series, which go, delves into a lot of how to develop intuition uh, in deeper ways. And then I have a, a quick two hour online workshop on animal medicine uh, coming up in April on April 19th, um, where uh, we'll lead you through a guided meditation to kind of meet your animal guides and your animal totems. And yeah, understand how to work with animal medicine, which all falls within this realm of intuition. Um, but other than that, it has been such a wonderful, beautiful conversation. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Oh, thank you. And I'll try to get this out before April 19th so people have an opportunity to get in on that animal medicine. It sounds awesome. I just have a, a couple fun questions for you just to finish up. Well, you mentioned two, but what's one book that changed your life? If it wasn't either of those two, you mentioned. <laughs> oh man, that is such a hard one. You know, I have a background. So back in, back in my um, success days, I was on a, a PhD path in Spanish literature. So I was all about reading. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to like desperately call in a book, but you know what, actually, um, there's a book in Spanish by a, a female author. Her name is Giaconda Belli. She's a Nicaraguan uh, feminist and activist and poet. And it's called La Mujer Habitada, which means the inhabited woman. Uh, and I read it. I think I must have been like 20 or 21 years old when I read it. Uh, and it was my the, one of the first places where I really saw this beautiful description of uh, femininity being so connected to nature. And in the novel, um, in the background of actually the civil war that was happening in Guatemala and uh, Nicaragua, um, this woman becomes inhabited by a tree. And so there's this personification of the tree energy and her feminine energy. Uh, and of course, I'm like in a literary program, which had nothing to do with you know, energy therapy or anything like that at the time, but it still sticks with me as one of the most transformative uh, novels that I have ever read in terms of that beautiful melding of fiction with reality, with uh, magical realism, with uh, the connection of the feminine energy to nature and the description and her creative, um, you know, uh, narrative is just so beautiful. So it doesn't fall within the camp of, of the energy world, but actually it really does in a lot of ways. It was one of the ways that I really understood how our creativity um, could bring so much growth to the surface. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Say the title one more time. It's called La Mujer Habitada. It means the okay. Habitada. Yeah. And I'm not sure it's got to be in English. I imagine there's a translation. Well, but it's I'll, probably... link, I'll link it and I'll, and I'll find it. I'll try to, try to figure oh, it out. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Yeah. And then what is your favorite yoga pose? <gasps> oh my goodness. That's a good one. Goodness. What do I, you know what I really love is pigeon. Oh. I love a good hip opener. Yeah, that one is, um, yeah, just to get into all that juicy energy that sits in the hips. And uh, pigeon is one of those poses, at least for me, that I come around to it a different way every single practice. Mm -hmm. um, no matter how many times I've been practicing, it tells me so much about what's going on in my body. Um, if I can sink into it really easily, or if I'm really tight there in the hips, tells me so much about um, how open, right, I am in my life and things that I have to move through and work with. Yeah. Awesome. That's a favorite of mine as well. Yeah. Love it. And then do you have a favorite quote? 
Oh, goodness gracious. Let's see. You know, one of the ones that I've been sitting with a lot recently is the one that goes, life doesn't happen to you. Life happens because of you. Uh, yeah. And that one, that one really sits often um, with me, especially with my client work. I think so frequently we have this perception that life is happening to us, right? It's the external world coming at us uh, and, and we're simply in reaction mode uh, where the reality is that we're creating life all the time in the way that we show up um, from the moment that we wake up to the moment we go to bed and even what happens in our dream state, right? So um, yeah, this idea that we have a lot more uh, power over the way that we show up to and interact with our world and even the way that things happen outside of ourselves are usually a direct correlation of what's happening inside of us internally. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Well, that's a great place to end. Yay! <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Sharna. And definitely everybody listening, check out all the good stuff she's got going on. You have a little, so much to offer the world and I'm so grateful for you. Oh, likewise, Jessalyn. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your show. And thank you so much for everything that you're doing to empower women and bring back the feminine energy, um, making that kind of center stage and allowing us to really feel good about connecting to that and giving us a place to talk about that energy. It's just beautiful. So thank you. Absolutely. Have a good one. You too, my dear. I will talk with you soon. Okay. Take care. All right.